Hello, and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we're opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life the way it was meant to be and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Wherever you are, thanks for joining us on the journey today. We welcome you and so glad you could be with us today. This month, we are going back to our theme book, which was entitled this year to finish what was started. And we're picking out some key verses that we use to kind of establish that theme. We've already talked about the book of Philippians 1 verse 6, where he talked about there, the apostle says that he may begin a good work and you will perfect it until the day that the Lord Jesus Christ. Last time we talked about Ecclesiastes 7 verse 8, the end of a matter is better than its beginning. We're focusing on this idea of finished. Uh, That's such a wonderful concept. When you think about a house that is finished, you think about you had a big project and that is finished. You're done with school. You're finished. I know for young parents, it's a wonderful feeling when that last child is finished with diapers. <laughs> and, and so the, there's a lot of milestones in life in which we talk about the idea of being finished. Well, this is also a concept spiritually, and that's what we're looking at. So in our third segment today, we want to look at another passage that kind of brings out this idea of finishing things. It's spoken by the Lord in the book of John, chapter 17, verse 4, where here the Lord says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Having accomplished. That's just another way of saying, I finished what you came for me to do. And in fact, those are the very words he would use in John chapter 19, verse 30, where upon the cross, the Lord would say, it is finished. He did not say, I am finished, we are finished, but it, and the word it there magnifies the work that God sent Jesus to do, and he accomplished that. So what we want to talk about here for a few moments, Jason, is just what is it that Jesus accomplished? Yeah, there are are so many ways to think about Jesus's words, especially in Uh, like the Gospel of John. And the first thing that comes to my mind is those seven I am statements in John's Gospel, because they probably give us a great window into what he meant when he said, I have finished, I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work. Well, what was that work? Um, we've talked about it in other contexts, but it's in John chapter 6 that Jesus describes himself as the bread of life. Jesus came to provide the spiritual food, the only food that can satisfy our souls. In John chapter 8, he described himself as the light of of the world. The the people who were walking in darkness have seen a great light is that Old Testament prophecy that was referenced at his birth. Jesus is the door, right? Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life. He is the vine. We could spend the rest of the year looking at those, but they all speak to the Father had given Jesus work by which the world could be saved. And here he is on the night of his betrayal in John 17, 
praying to his father, essentially saying, I've done that. I've shed the light. I've provided the bread. I I have lived as the vine from which these branches can grow. I've I've shown them the door. I've I've shown them why this is the way. This is the truth. Now it's going to be up to them to follow me. You know, and just kind of a side point there, when, when we use that expression, it is finished, it implies it's done, yeah. it's over. Um, when you have made your last car payment, do you owe them any more? It is finished. When you walk across that stage and you get your diploma and you are finished with college or high school, do I still have to take another class in order to No, it is finished. So when the Lord would say that upon the cross, that behooves us to understand that there wasn't more things that he still had to do. Uh, it is common for some people to think that Jesus is coming back and he's going to establish his kingdom and he's going to reign here a whole bunch of a long time here. But that's not what the Bible says. It is finished. And uh, we had done a three-part series on Sunday evenings not too long ago about Israel and about what the word Israel means and how it fits in with the kingdom and some things the Bible teaches. I encourage our listeners to grab that series and listen to that because in that we talk about the relationship of the kingdom and it was established, it is finished as Jesus came to do those things. So, so having accomplished all that the Father wanted him to do, first and foremost, would be salvation for our sins. Right. Uh, Luke 19, verse 10, I came to seek and save that which is lost. John was saying in his first letter in chapter 2 that Jesus is a propitiation for our sins and not ours only, but for those of the whole world. And so Jesus didn't fail with that. Uh, he didn't leave us halfway hanging. He didn't, he didn't leave us with, well, there's just a little bit more that I should have done, but I ran out of time. Uh, he accomplished that. Salvation has been made available through the blood of Jesus. And that's, that is why he came. He finished those things. But was there anything else that he had to finish? Well, ultimately, it would be showing us how to fix our eyes on him. I mean, what comes to my mind is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where, you know, years after Jesus, for instance, said that on the cross in John 19, verse 30, now this writer says, listen, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. What has he accomplished? He is the founder and perfecter of our faith. He is pictured here in Hebrews 12, verse 2, as being seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so when I think of, okay, what else did he have to finish the rest of the New Testament speaks of his work in terms of 
ongoing intercession, right? Being our advocate before the Father. He holds the keys of his kingdom, and one day that will be turned over to his Father in heaven. But I want to make sure as we think about him being finished, we we don't think of him in terms of, well, he's isolated or checked out or uninvolved. He is the founder and perfecter of our faith who lives to intercede for us even today. Very active today. We need to remember that. And that, and that's why we can pray to God. And that's why we have blessings from God is that God is not finished with us, even though Jesus accomplished his will. I think another thing I would add to this is Jesus defeated Satan. Yeah. Uh, that's tied in with his salvation for us, but, but uh, Satan's greatest power is death, and up from the grave he arose, and he defeated the power of Satan. And as we read the book of Revelation, we see the outcome of Satan, and that his destiny is set. He's going to be sent to hell. The Bible teaches that. And so he has accomplished those things. And so it's not as if this cosmic battle is going on, and, and it could go either way. We hope God wins. but it could, No, the Bible tells us God's going to win. And Satan's not going to win. And so the question is, whose side am I on? Because that's some things that the Bible clearly teaches. Now, you know, we see this passage that Jesus accomplished what the Father sent him to do. What if we turn that around and talk about ourselves? What is it that you and I are supposed to accomplish? Well, ultimately, I I have been teaching a class here recently on Sundays. Uh, We've just called Living as Citizens of Heaven, and we've been surveying lessons from Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I mean, big picture-wise, what are we to accomplish? I think of Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. There it is. He's active. He is available. He is our advocate, our intercessor. But now this is so wide ranging in its scope that Paul, for instance, Peter does the same thing, James does, others, whether I'm a husband or a wife, or a a single person, whether I am a parent or a child. In in this ancient context, whether I was a a master or a servant, in in today's terms, whether I am an employee or an employer, a a teacher, a student, whomever I am, it all falls under the lordship of Jesus Christ, right? He is not just my weekend hobby. He is not an occasional consultant. He, he is my king. And so what's left for me to finish is to figure out how to allow his lordship to permeate every aspect of my life. I'm going to live for him. I'm going to honor him in all of these various aspects of life. I'm going to glorify my father in heaven by living as a citizen of this heavenly kingdom. So kind of boiling that down to some specifics, one thing it means is I'm going to raise my family to know the Lord. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you get your kids to a point where they're big and they're out of the house and they have their own jobs. 
but I haven't completely done my job. I haven't accomplished what I'm supposed to if they leave that house not knowing the Lord. And that begins when they're very, very little. So moms and dads, you need to be doing that. You need to some days turn that TV off and just sit down and talk. There's days you're going to get that Bible out. There's every day you're going to be praying together and doing those things because that is something that must be accomplished. Your children will learn about the Bible. They'll either learn it the right way from you or they'll learn it the wrong way from some college professor who doesn't believe in God. They're going to learn the right concept about the church, either from you or the wrong concept from the religious community. So these major principles in life about life, love, marriage, what's right, what's wrong, who's in charge, all those things they'll have concepts of, either the correct way or the incorrect way. Your job to accomplish is to make sure they get the correct way, and that's not falls on the church. It falls on moms and dads to do those yeah. things. That ought to start at home, and Roger, you and I, in a different context, talks to, talked a little bit about uh, this past Wednesday, doing that within the context of the Lord's church as well, from generation to generation, handing off this baton. If I... If I do great things in the service of the kingdom, but do it in a way where it all revolves around me and it's all about me and I'm not interested in investing in anyone other than myself, then there is a very serious hole that is going to be left, right? Nowhere were churches of the New Testament encouraged to be built around a single human being where once that human being passed away, well, now our identity, our our very sense of belonging, our our sense of confidence and purpose has has also passed away. No, we are each links in this chain of faith, a very real thing that we need to accomplish is working to hand that baton off to those behind us so that the cause lives on healthy and sound and strong even after we have passed from this life. And, and so that that means that we have to be teaching and teaching. We always have to be going to God's Word. We have to understand God's Word. We have to use God's Word. And so uh, in a period of time where a lot of people want to kind of move away from the Bible, we must be moving toward the Bible. And so uh, we need to leave this place better than we found it. And that's that's key to our families, as key to the congregation as we walk and work among each other. You know, a common concept a lot of people have today, it's, it's something that a lot of people look forward to, and that's the day of retirement. You know, mm-hmm. they, they work and they work, and then they think, well, you know, I can't wait till I finally retire, then it's my time, I can do anything I want, I can travel, I can just sleep in every day, I can just, you know, isn't retirement wonderful? I can't wait until I retire. Well, what does that have to do with our idea of accomplishing things? (laughs) Well, I mean, in very simple terms, you don't ever read that sort of language in, in the Bible, right? You, you read about people doing what they can as long as they can. We had a, a conversation here a couple of weeks ago in a, a different context about Paul, for instance, even in prison, encouraging Timothy, bring the books. 
bring the parchments. Paul didn't know how long he was going to have, but if he had time and opportunity and health and awareness, he was going to use those as gifts of God's grace to try and make a difference. Obviously, that is not to say that someone who is 85 years old is able to do everything that they did at 25 years old. But let's never underestimate the impact that an active, aged, veteran disciple of Jesus can have on the generations behind them. None of this, well, I've done my part, now it's time for somebody else. I'm going to sit on the, the front porch of the kingdom and just rock the rest of my time away. You don't ever read about anyone modeling that attitude in the New Testament. Well, you know, and, and we sometimes hear the expression, well, I, I gave the company 40 years, now it's my time. Mm. Well, once you become a Christian, it's never your time. No. It belongs to God. And and that's, you know, when you think about those who are retired, and, and several of our listeners are, what a wonderful place in life you are. You have not only the opportunity, because you don't have to get up every day and fight traffic and go to a job, you don't have to do that, but you also have all this experience, all this wisdom. How many sermons have you listened to? How many Bible classes? How many times you've gone through that Bible yourself? You have so much knowledge. What wealth of help you can give to a congregation. No, you may not be able to get up and preach, and maybe you don't have the uh, power to uh, be able to teach a class on a regular basis. But to be that encouragement, to see that young family who are trying, but they're just struggling, to just to just take them out to dinner and, and have some conversations with them, to see that young disciple and to be that encourager to him. So many things that you can do even now that we need to see to remind ourselves that we, like Jesus, need to accomplish what God has sent us to do. Well, and that ought to be a reminder to those who are younger as well. Uh, one of the quickest way to cheat ourselves out of a rich treasure trove of wisdom and experience and, and understanding it is to ignore those who are older than us, to, to live with this chronological snobbery that, you know, I, I, nobody knows better than I do. I, I know everything that I have to know, or if I need to know anything, I can Google it or look it up on YouTube. Meanwhile, there are absolute caverns of deep, God-shaped treasures in the hearts and minds of of aged brothers and sisters in Christ. And so don't wait for a, a veteran disciple to ask you to lunch or dinner or coffee. You as a young person say, hey, any way that we could get together sometime, I'm, I'm engaged to be married, and I would just love to pick your brain about what that looks like. Or I've preached a couple of sermons, and I know there's room to grow. And I know you've listened to a lot of sermons or you fill in the blanks, but that is what life in the local church ought to be 
all about. Not just mingling with people with whom we have the most immediate things in common, but understanding each member has something to offer and a lot of times, it comes from the most unlikely of sources. Well, that, and we find that biblical example when Paul told Titus, uh, have older women teach younger women. Yeah. Or in First in John, it would talk about the young men and talk about the older men. And so, or the fathers, as he would use that. And so, so it's, it's that idea that here's somebody that has not hung up his hat, as we might say, with the Lord. He's still busy. He's doing what he can do. He realizes that he has something to accomplish, something that he needs to finish. And we need to keep going until the Lord calls us back home. Yeah. Roger, let me, let me just ask you. I mean, we started with the words of Jesus there in, in John 17, verse four. I glorified you on earth. We know that's the son of God. What, what do you think it sounds like for Someone we have known, you know, there there are are men that I know you regard as personal heroes who have crossed the finish line. And what do you think it means for a disciple of Jesus, not the son of God, but a a mere mortal uh, to be able to cross that finish line with that confidence? I have glorified you on earth. What's that look like? Well, you know, I, I think about some uh, dear, dear friends of mine who have passed on, who are walking with Jesus all the way to the end. And they were in their 80s, 90s. Um, and, and you think about that long, long journey, all the things that they went through. And there's been ups and downs in their lives. There's been tragedies. There's been all kinds of things that they faced and endured. But they, they stayed with the Lord. How many prayers they must have prayed in their life. How many times they opened that Bible and read those scriptures. And, and they, they saw that treasure ahead of them. They saw being with the Lord. And they did all those things, not just so they could escape hell. They did those things because they loved Jesus. And walking with Jesus for so many decades, it has changed their hearts. They are kind and sweet and generous and encouraging. And I can just put name after name after name of people like that who is just a blessing to be with. And, and you think, well, that's just a sweet little old lady or it's a sweet little old man. What makes them like that is that they have glorified God on earth by walking with him. And that's, that's just a, a wonderful experience. And what you see is I think they leave footprints. Yeah. And we see those footprints. We see, we see for us preachers, we see these older preachers who passed away, but we see how they handled things and how kind and encouraging they are and, and how that baton passes on to us. Because someday the younger men will be looking up to us and how do we treat them? We think about those, those older Christian women who passed on and they, they were the ones who were taking food to people and they're always busy doing things and, and a lot of times outside that local congregation, nobody knew who they were. But what a difference they made, and heaven recognized them. And they were simply doing what they could do because they loved Jesus. 
And that that's something this generation just needs to keep before our eyes. It's just that love for the Lord. I will do things wherever I can for other people. We have so many people in this congregation that's just like that, just today. And they're all ages. And that's, that's what's so sweet. It's so sweet to see the younger couples, those in their 20s and 30s, getting involved and doing things and helping out. And you just think if the Lord allows it, they may have four decades of doing those things. What an impact they will make upon congregations. And that's, that's just something that's beautiful to understand. Accomplishing the work God gives us to do. What a great phrase to keep in our minds as we head into this weekend. We're, we're talking about finishing and uh, this is the sort of conversation, the sort of insight and, and encouragement we need to keep pressing on to be able to say, just like Jesus and so many after him, I have glorified you on earth. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for the example that you set. And thanks to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound podcast. We hope our conversation has helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. Lord willing, we've got one more conversation in this series on Fridays before we wrap it up for 2023. But we encourage you to always remember when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound and the best is yet to come.